0: All right. Good morning. I'm Matt Henley, one of the uh, elders here at Bethany Church, and uh, as I mentioned, I'm going to be talking about what what do we do when our our plans get messed up when when our plans are ruined. Um, I've been what's been going around in my head lately has been the passage from from James, where uh, James is talking to those who who had plans, and he's rebuking them. He's saying, "Come, come now, you who say." From James four, uh, thirteen, "Come now, you who say today or tomorrow." We will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that pierces for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So this passage has been going around in my head lately uh, because a lot of our plans haven't worked out the way we expected. And... This passage led me to, um, to the book of Proverbs because uh, Proverbs uh, twenty seven one says basically the same thing, and I was even wondering if James was kind of giving a commentary on Proverbs twenty seven one that says, "Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring." And so that just kind of led me in this season we're in. What does the wisdom of Proverbs have to say to us? How how can we respond when things aren't working out the way we planned? So I'm just going to jump into that. What is For the most part, what does the wisdom of Proverbs have for us in this season we're in? Uh, If you want to pray with me here, I'm just going to pray before I start. Father God, I just ask that you would make your will known to our hearts this morning. I ask, Father, that you would help me to speak the words you want me to speak, and help us have ears to hear and hearts that are open to what you want to do in us. We need you, and we just ask for your presence and for your help in Jesus' name. So the Bible is just full of examples of, of those who who had a dream, had a plan, had a vision, and it just didn't work out as they expected. You can look at the story of Joseph, and and he had a dream that he was going to be leading over his brothers, and his parents were going to be bowing down to him also, and Then what you find out is his brothers hate him, they're trying to kill him, he's sold as a slave, he ends up in prison. All this stuff probably was not part of Joseph's plans, Uh, but it ends up that God was using that, God was with him in all those things, and he was refining him and putting him into the place God wanted him, so that not only would he um, be put up in charge of Egypt along with Pharaoh, but he would be bringing... uh, salvation to his own people, to his family, and ultimately to the people of Israel, the people who would eventually bring forth Jesus. So God's always at work. David was told he was going to be king, uh, but then all of a sudden he's dodging spears from Saul, having to flee to the mountains, having to flee to the land of the Philistines, all this so God could work his character and bring David into the place where he could be a king after God's own heart. So we don't have to look far in the Bible to find examples of people who had a plan, had a dream, had it ruined, but still find that in it seeming like their plan was ruined, God was working in that to bring about his plan for them. So looking through the book of Proverbs, I just came up with, uh, I think, eight different things of how we can respond in those situations where our plans get messed up. Our plans don't go the way we expect them to go. And I just uh, also uh, recommend that uh, if you had the chance and if you didn't hear Dave's message last week, I really encourage you to go ahead and listen to it. Um, I hope to kind of piggyback off what he said, but it was a really excellent message uh, last week. Uh, so, first, what do we do when our plans are messed up? First, repent of our pride. As Dave mentioned last week, God is with those who are contrite of heart. Uh, and, the, and the rebuke in, in James that we started off with was that people were making their plans thinking that they knew what was going to happen, that they knew how stuff was going to work out, that they could go to such and such place for a year, they could make a profit. And God's saying, you're not in control. You don't know any of those things. You don't even know if you're going to be alive tomorrow. So slow down. Repent of your pride of thinking that you're in control of your life and that I'm not. Repent. Do not boast about tomorrow, Proverbs 27.1. For you do not know what a day may bring. Uh, The good news is that God gives us really good promises when we listen to his reproof, to his discipline. Proverbs 15.31 says, The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. So if we we take heed to what God's trying to say to us in this season, then we'll be blessed, and and then hopefully God won't have to bring more discipline into our lives if we're listening to what he's saying to us now. So first, repent of our pride. Second, remember the the fleeting nature of life. As James says, your life is just a mist. It it vanishes quickly. And and in Psalms it, it says, Lord, teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. Show me how fleeting my life is. So whether our life is over tomorrow or in 40 years, it's so fleeting in comparison with eternity. Show us, Lord. Help us to be wise and not to make all our plans as if, as if this is it, this is all there's going to be. Remember how fleeting life is. Third, recognize God is in control. Recognize God is in control. Uh, no matter what all the secondary causes are of what's going on, Ultimately, God is in and through those things. Uh, some of you might be hearing these things about our plans being messed up, and, and maybe you're thinking, well, yeah, my plans are messed up, but that's just because this politician didn't handle this right, or this one made this wrong decision, or this wasn't handled right by this health organization or, or whatever, and, and we're not going to get into who's making the right decisions. The point is, whether the decisions are right or wrong, God is in control in and through all of those things. Uh, The book of Proverbs 21.1 says that the heart of the king is like streams of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it whichever way he wills. So that whatever is going on, ultimately, God is moving things according to his will. It says he works out all things according to the counsel of his will. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps, Proverbs 16.9. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. It says in Proverbs twenty one thirty. So regardless of the secondary causes, regardless of whether coronavirus is brought about by Satan, or regardless of what decisions are being made, all these things are becoming subservient to God's purposes for you at this season. I came across this quote in uh, reading um, exalting Jesus in Proverbs, uh, and just thought it was fitting because it ties together how God works through all kinds of decisions uh, to bring about his great purposes. God predestined the cross, but men freely and wickedly chose to kill Jesus. These worked together. Pontius Pilate, Herod, the Jews, and the Romans were not kicking and screaming with their hands tied behind their backs, saying, we don't want Jesus to die, but we are being forced to do this. God used the wicked choices of man to bring about his glorious, sovereign plan. God's sovereignty is good news because it means he can take evil and use it for good. His sovereignty means that the suffering and chaos in your life is not meaningless or ultimate. You may not see how in the world what is happening to you could ever be a good thing, and you may never understand it until eternity, but you can trust that a God who did not remain distant from your suffering, but rather entered into your world, suffered even beyond what you are suffering and died in your place has a good reason and plan for why he is allowing all these things to happen in your life. Plus, one day, he will do away with evil and suffering forever. Revelation 21 to 22 is coming. So realize that God is in control. Next, realize that God is working good. God is working good. If you belong to Jesus, if you have put your trust in him, if you've embraced him as your Lord, that God has promised you that in all these things God is working for your good. God is working for your good. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Proverbs 16:4. Psalm 119:91 100, says, "All things are your servants, Lord." All things, including coronavirus, including the including the plans of nations, the, cl- the plans of politicians. All these things are the servants of God to bring about the good of his people, to bring about the conformity to Jesus Christ in their lives and preparing them for a future to reign with him forever. These are all serving those purposes, no matter the designs of the people in between that are making the decisions or no, mat- or no matter the designs of Satan in all of this. God is working these things for your good if you belong to him. And if you don't belong to him yet, I just invite you, embrace Jesus now. He loves you. He suffered for you. He came into human suffering and took suffering and took your sin to invite you in so that you could be a part of this whole plan of God working all these things for your good. Realize that God is working good. Ready ourselves for the age to come. Next, ready ourselves for the age to come. Proverbs 11.4 says, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And some of us might have had our, our financial situation kind of overthrown during this season. Just an encouragement, riches do not profit in the day of wrath. There's a day coming where your wealth will not matter. There's a day coming where everyone will be separated into their eternal future. And in that day, your financial situation will not be nearly as important as how you've encountered the living God and made yourself ready to live with him forever. And that's not to make light of financial struggles. If you're struggling, let us know. We want to come around you. We want to love you. We want to care for you as a family. So that's not to make light of those things. But just remember that that's not what's going to matter in that day. Uh, Paul says when he's writing in 2 Timothy, "I, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me in that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And to be frank, sometimes it's really hard to love and long for his appearing when everything is going right in this age. We forget about it. So sometimes God has to mess things up in this age so that we remember, I need to be ready for that day. I need to long for the appearing of Christ because those are the ones who are going to receive the crown of righteousness. Ready ourselves for the age to come, rejoice in the gospel. Proverbs 16:6 6, By steadfast love and faithfulness iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord one turns away from evil. Jesus showed the steadfast love and the faithfulness of God in carrying out God's plan atoning for our sin, that no matter what else is going on, we have crazy reason to rejoice. I think sometimes we, we think we are entitled to knowing the story of the gospel, that we are entitled to having the Bible, that we're entitled to this, to this place of being able to know God. When the reality is all of us have said, no God, no things, I, I don't want your plan, I don't want you, I want other things, I'm not even going to thank you for all the stuff you've given me. We have all done that, we all do that by nature, and because of that we all deserve eternal suffering from the hand of God. And and instead, God said, I'm going to take on flesh and come and take that suffering in my own body on a tree. and, And instead of eternal suffering, I want to give you eternal joy. And because of that, we all have crazy reason to rejoice no matter what our current circumstances are, even if that was the only thing that God did for us in the gospel. But that's not the only thing God did for us in the gospel, as we've been talking about. He, he says, I'm going to take all these bad circumstances and I'm going to work them for your good so that you can fulfill my destiny for you, so that you can walk out my will and become more and more like Jesus. Rejoice in the gospel. Next, realign ourselves to God's will. Realign ourselves to God's will. As James was saying, rather we should say, if the Lord wills, I'll do this, I'll do that. Um, the wisdom of Proverbs says, for the gain from wisdom is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. Maybe this is a time where your normal plans are messed up and you have time to stop and say, okay, what are you doing next for me, Lord? Spend time with God and his word. Spend time hearing his wisdom so that you can realign yourself to God's will for you instead of continuing to walk out what was maybe just your will. And finally, reach out to others in love. Reach out to others in love. Uh, maybe a lot of us are having more time with our family lately. We're beginning to love our families, learning to love our families again. Proverbs fifteen seventeen says, Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. And maybe this is a time where we learn to love again. Maybe we don't have all the things we want, but we learn to love our family again. And maybe it's for reaching out to others. This is a strange season. Proverbs seventeen seventeen says, A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. So people facing adversity, let's learn how to love them. And this is maybe a hard thing to do right now. Because we're in a season where love looks different. You look back through the history of the church, and you read about plagues that came uh, in the early centuries after Jesus, and you see that, that their physicians wouldn't care for those people. They, they wouldn't love those people. They would leave them to die. So who would, who would go? The Christians would go and get their hands dirty. They would care for the people at the cost of their own lives. But we're kind of in a different season here in America where we're kind of told to stay away from the sick, and we do have medical people taking care of them and praise God for them, and and maybe you are called to be a nurse or a doctor and praise God for you. Um, But for most of us, we're kind of called to actually step away from that and to love people by not getting together a lot, which is just different. So all that to say, we're going to have to be creative to love our neighbor in this season. We're gonna to have to be creative, and a lot of you are doing it. A lot of you are getting groceries for your neighbor. You're doing sidewalk chalk here, making phone calls and Zoom calls to people who are lonely, and that's great. And just, I just urge you to continue to ask God, how can I be creative to love in this time? I'm just gonna go ahead and invite the uh, worship team up as I close here. Um, maybe some other ways to love. You know, maybe some of you don't have your financial situations messed up by by the current circumstances, and you're getting stimulus checks, maybe you can be generous in that way. Um, or maybe maybe God's preparing you for future acts of love. Maybe the things that were going for you in your life are kind of getting uprooted, freeing you up to look ahead, to maybe take a, a different step in the future. Maybe, maybe you're called to go somewhere else. Maybe missions is in your future. Maybe God is doing things in your life to free you up for future steps of love. I'm just going to close with... Uh, story from one of my favorite books from the Chronicles of Narnia, the horse and his boy. I've been reading this with my five-year-old son. And uh, it just kind of uh, illustrates where we think things aren't working out right. And we realize God is in and through doing all kinds of things we didn't realize to bring about his desire for us. Uh, the main character, Shasta, was just saying, oh, I'm the most unfortunate boy in the whole world. He's talking to this creature that he later realizes is a lion, is Aslan, the Christ figure in this story. And the lion speaks to Shasta and says, I do not call you unfortunate, said the large voice. Don't you think it was bad luck to meet so many lions, said Shasta? There was only one lion, said the voice. What on earth do you mean? I just told you there were at least two the first night, and there was only one, but he was swift of foot. How do you know? I was the lion. And as Shasta gaped with open mouth and said nothing, the voice continued, I was the lion who forced you to join with Erevis. I was the cat who comforted you among the houses of the dead. I was the lion who drove the jackals from you while you slept. I was the lion who gave the horses the new strength of fear for the last mile so that you would reach King Loon in time. And I was the lion, you do not remember, who pushed the boat in which you lay, a child near death, so that it came to shore where a man sat, wakeful at midnight, to receive you. And just as Shasta realized that, even though it looked like nothing was working out right, that there was a line, there was Aslan, who was working all these things to bring him into his destiny, to Aslan's destiny for Shasta. I hope that, even though things maybe don't feel like they're working out right for you, that you realize that God is in and through all these things, bringing you into his destiny for you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are good, that you're sovereign, that you're in control that you are working in and through all these things and that they are all serving your purposes. Help us to realize that. Help us to get close to you and encounter what your will is for us in this season. Learn how to rejoice in you. Learn how to rejoice in the age to come and to realign ourselves with your will for us. In Jesus' name, amen.